You know, this, this every, the thought of horses' nostrils flaring reminds me why I'm angry every time I see you. <laughs> this, this conversation is so helpful. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, yes, there is an injustice uh, that most people recognize when they see me. I'm William. I'm Dave. Dave is my pastor. Willie is a hospice chaplain. And we've been friends for more than 20 years. We've had thousands of conversations about things that matter and things that don't. So now we're inviting you to join in. Each week we pull a topic out of the hopper and talk about it. This is the Hopper Podcast. Um, I was reading an article not too long ago about the changing of our language. Now, you and I both know that language develops and changes, and uh, words uh, lose their their uh, meanings, That's right. and they right they they change. And uh, you know, so we've had words like "awesome," which was referring to God, full of awe. You know, yes. something that would to promote awe. Yeah. And now it just means, "Hey, that's cool," um, which also used to mean, mean that it's not hot. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> right. So language is, is always developing and changing, but sure. uh, some linguists have done a study about how our language is becoming more emotional um, okay. over the last few, uh, yeah, over the last number of years, uh, last decades, our language is, is less um, informational and uh-huh. more emotional. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, yes, very interesting. What do you think is the cause of that? That's a great question, but it is in, intuitively that makes perfect sense to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wonder, uh, and this is this is just a guess, but I wonder if it's because emotional language cannot really be challenged much. What I mean to say I is, see. so you say I feel that, and then whatever I feel in the blank, you can't really challenge that because. You don't know what I'm feeling. Right. Right? And so right. this is, you know, this has led to, like, when you're in relationships, not kind of, you're supposed to use I statements. Instead of, you're stupid, then you say, <laughs> I, you know, <laughs> right, you're, you're doing it wrong. Uh, then you're supposed to say I statements, right? So I, but what I've, what I've seen a whole bunch is people just saying the exact same thing, but with I. So I feel that you're stupid, <laughs> right. Right. Okay. So it's the same thing. That's not helpful in the relationship. Uh, you know, that's not helpful dialogue. Um, but then I've also heard people start to confuse their thoughts and their feelings, which is a sure. big pet peeve of mine. So you say, um, let's see, I feel that it is 70 degrees outside. Well, actually, you know what? Sorry. That's not. <laughs> I, I, yeah. That's using that, sensibilities. <laughs> not my senses. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, I feel that two plus two is four. Right. No, that's not. No, you don't feel that two plus two is four. You think that two plus two is four, and you are correct. Yes. That is and a thought. Th- that is not a feeling. Right. But the word feel has has been replacing the word think correct for I think just the reason that you mentioned. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, if I state the way I feel, who are you to argue with that? Right. Um, I, and I don't really need to um, defend or uh, 
promote certain ideas. Yeah. Uh, and it, or, or really, uh, you know, I want a safe place and I don't want people um, attacking what I'm thinking. Yes. Um, or, or pointing out my, my poor logic or reasoning. Right. So if it's just a feeling that I have, then, then it, then it really becomes a, a, a taboo or a, it's a trump card you can play. Like, hey, how, how dare you attack my feelings or my inner person? You know, I'm sharing completely what I, what I feel. Yes. So I, I am, uh, I talk with my patients all the time. Here's something I hear a whole bunch. I'm not talking about anybody yeah. specific or individual because this is such a common thing. I have, you know, uh, as we get toward the end of life with someone, then often we'll need to, to increase, especially with cancer patients, we need to increase the uh, level of narcotics that they use. Right. And so and that's that's very common. It's very good. I think, I think narcotics are God's good gift to those who are in extreme pain. And especially those at the end of life, uh, and mm-hmm. so somebody's so uh, often at the end uh, of life, then our doctors will prescribe um, morphine or uh, hydrocodone or different different. And so, morphine though has a very bad uh, connotation in our society. So somebody, so I hear all the time, "Oh no, I don't want my loved one to take morphine because I feel that morphine is dangerous." Right. Okay. And I will say, no, morphine is not dangerous in the levels that we are prescribing it. Uh, We're starting you out on a baby dose of morphine. Right. And an enormous amount of scientific study has gone into this to demonstrate that morphine is not dangerous. It is actually very safe and very good, and it is dangerous for your loved one not to take morphine. Because they will die yeah. of air hunger, they will, and and uh, the person will say, "Well, but I feel that it's dangerous." And, right. and my explanation has not touched them at all because I right. was acting as if they said, "I think morphine is dangerous." Let me show right. you the faulty logic in your thinking. But no, when I say I feel, there's this automatic shield, and. I just I that's a trump card. I I feel this, so this is the way it is. So I imagine at that point when you have that realization that oh this they really they are talking about the way they're feeling. Yeah. Um, their yeah. their emotional baggage with morphine um and you've addressed it in an intellectual way and that didn't work. Do you go in for the um hey I know that that morphine or narcotics have a bad rap but this is exactly uh, where they're best used, and I mean, does that? Can you touch any part of them emotionally? Um, yeah, that's a good question. It's it's uh, sometimes, but the, but yeah. yeah, morphine sometimes that objection sometimes is emotional, but sometimes it's not. Sometimes they're just misinformed, and in fact, it's yeah. it's actually more common that that my speech like that will say, "Oh, well, never mind then. That sounds great. Let's do that." I'm usually yeah. able to convince folks, which demonstrates actually. That in most cases, not all, but in most cases, uh, it's really a thought. I think morphine is dangerous. Right. But they're not saying that. They're saying, I feel morphine is dangerous. And I think it's not just those kinds of statements, but it's all sorts of uh, paying attention to our feelings. You know, maybe it's a pendulum swing. You know, back a long time ago, I don't know when that was, in the 70s or 80s, maybe you have to go back further than that. The pendulum swing was, well, we don't care about people's feelings. 
Well, was it? There was there was a whole. Uh, you know, we just got to get the thoughts. There was a whole school of thought that said that little ba- infants should not be held. Brand new babies, straight out of the out of the uh, you know birth canal, uh, if they're crying, just let them cry it out. That was a whole school of thought, and we don't care about their feelings. They need to soothe themselves, self soothing, and uh, boy, that now that has changed. Uh, I think that that's terribly inappropriate, horrible, horrible advice. And uh, I have never heard that in terms of self-soothing. Oh, um, have you not? Yeah. No, I've heard. I, I mean, I've heard of self-soothing in that you, uh, you know, a baby when they're older, not you know, a newborn, um, but as they age, they can and will use their tears. That's their communication to manipulate. Uh, that's true, and there are yes, times when. You don't respond to manipulation. Correct. And, you know, you let them cry it out. That's that's what I've always heard of self-soothing. I never heard it in terms of the way you just put it. That's well dreadful. Yeah, to have to have um, someone who is, I think, um, you know, at some point they are manipulating you, and we want, and so parents, we got to be careful about that. I, I get that completely. However, uh, I think the research I've seen has said that it's like up to six months or so. If they're crying, it's good to hold them. Yeah, uh, it's good to to try and soothe them that way. And there's all kinds of right. attachment issues and and uh, right, that right. go along with that. Very very important. Um, okay, so uh, but it's not just not just that. It's uh, we don't really care about the feelings, and it's, and that was true especially of little boys, right? We um, mm-hmm. uh, stop crying. You know what are yeah. you a girl? Yeah, toughen up. Toughen up. Right, and there, and we do need to toughen up. Boys and girls need to toughen up in some, you know, throughout life. But then right. we also need to pay attention to feelings. And so it may be that we, the pendulum has, has swung the other way. Maybe. Sure, sure. I mean, this article is definitely suggesting that that, yeah. that it's become a hotbed of um, of what really matters is are my feelings. My feelings are uh, preeminent, and oh, they, I see. Yeah, yeah, they define. Not just my life, but um, but your life as it relates to my life. Oh, I see. Yes, yes, yes. And yeah. And if yes, I have seen that a whole bunch. And yeah, that is the pendulum swung way too far. Um, I should not be a servant to my emotions, and certainly I should not uh, force others to be a servant to my emotions. Right. It's uh, you know it, it's what I say, and I'm sure you have too when you're you're counseling or pastoring or even from the pulpit. There, there are uh, times when you have a strong feeling, yes. you're angry, yes. um, or you have an inclination to lust. Yes, um, and you just have to wait it out. Yes, um, that's right. Th- that's not a signal to you that now it's okay to explode in anger and harm those around you right. just because you feel angry. Right, right. That's a sensation that if you pause. They used to say, you know, count to 10 or whatever, you know, what what they're saying is, is, is wait, this, this sensation that feels overwhelming will not feel this way in a few moments. Right. That's right. And then you can, you can return to some, some better mental facility and decision-making and, and, and respond appropriately instead of just reacting to whatever feeling is going on. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. And that I think is, I mean, that, that should be. Uh, taught everywhere. I mean, that's that's used to be common sense, I think, but yeah. not anymore. Not anymore. Um, One of the things that I that has been two things that have been super helpful to me um, when when dealing with emotions. The first is that uh, I have learned 
that for most people, maybe all people, uh, that our emotions that are in the moment are not to be trusted. Right. That doesn't mean they're wrong. Right. But that, but but we should not trust what our emotions are telling us in the moment. We should trust right. our thoughts more in the moment. However, long term, long term, I think our emotions are far more reliable as a guide for us than our thoughts. Mm. What I mean to say by that is that when I, the inclinations of my heart, uh, what is it that moves me? Uh, to be emotional, um, whether that's anger or sadness or joy or exuberation or depression, what are the things that really move me uh, over the long term? Not in the moment, but like every time this issue comes up, my heart jumps Right over decades. Okay, that is a good guide for how I should direct my life. My thoughts, mm. though, are so rational, so rational— um, that, uh, you know, it, how can I say if I, if I was only trying to be rational about things, then the, and, and saying that the inclination of my heart doesn't matter, then I would not engage in relationships because relationships right. are no good. You know, I'm going to make an enormous amount of money and gain power. And that's, what's logical. Um, yeah, relationships are messy and inefficient. That's yeah, messy that's and inefficient. Sure. And so, my thoughts long term, my plans for how I'm going to succeed and do those don't work. I want to follow my emotions long term and my thoughts short term. I don't know if you've ever heard that before, but that has been super helpful I, to me. No, no, I've never heard that. I've never really thought about it. Um, I mean, I, I've always, uh, from an early age, thought about the role of emotions um, and. I even read a book. I think it was a, a rather conservative book. Um, James Dobson, "Emotions: Can You Trust Them?" Yeah. Um, and I read it, you know, a long time ago. And I, 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 uh, I think I, I don't remember much about the book, but but I was uh, kind of developing a, a a doctrine, a personal doctrine there that yeah. that my emotions are not wrong, but just what you said in the moment, um, they can be overwhelming or misguided and. Um, anyone who's been, you know, a, a fool in love, a schoolboy, you sure, know, a, sure. a dumb and dumber, I feel like a schoolboy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I desperately want to make love to a schoolboy. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. What? Oh, oh, I mean, um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yes. That's a great scene. Yeah. There's, uh, in that, in those times when I, when I was uh, younger, and the emotion was kind of uh, more intense yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and less guided by experience and, and logic and reason. Yes. Um, you know, that, that it was soon after that I read that book and it was really helpful to me Yeah. to try to uh, put them into perspective. But I also, I have a, they, they guide me. They, they not only tell me um, uh, how I feel about something, which is, you know, of course important, but they really help me see uh, what I, what, my idolatries are. Or, okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they, they, they're very telling about my deep down um, considerations of, of, you know, who I am, what I want to do, what's important in life. And those, those are real indicators. 
Okay, so right? that's so I so a few moments ago I said there are two things that have been super helpful to me when thinking about my feelings and and as I teach people about feelings, one is the the first one is that uh, feelings should not be trusted in the short term, but they should be trusted in the long term, and thoughts are in reverse. The other one you just you just touched on, and the way that I would put it, and I, and you almost said it exactly the way that I do, and that is emotions in the moment tell us what is important to us. Mm-hmm. Now, that doesn't mean that what is important to us should be important to us, but right. it might be, right? So uh, we can be overwhelmed by by emotions because of something very important. I can be angry at something, you know, some injustice that is really important, and I'm glad that I got angry, and I should get angry. And then other times I get angry at, at a perceived injustice that really isn't. It's just someone hurt mm-hmm. me. Um, you know, that, that I, it hurt my ambition, hurt my pride in a, in a way that's probably right. good for me, but it, uh, oh, wait, I'm way too prideful. And so emotions yeah. tell us what is actually important to us and where our thoughts can really lie to us that way. Uh, I can justify my behavior almost all the time. Right. But my emotions are always going to tell what actually is yeah. important to me. Right. I, I've, I've given two illustrations of this in sermons over the years. Okay. Um, one is when I was licensed, I was in a different presbytery than, you know, I, I don't know. I've been in three or four of them. And uh, this is when part I of the, so you're talking about the part of the approval process for becoming right. a minister. So going through right. tests, examinations, and tests of skill and that kind of thing in order to uh, have the authority of the church to minister. There you go. Right. And so when I was going through the oral examinations, having done the written examinations, yeah. um, they they were so happy with some of my examinations that they you know, they praised me for them. And I left. Of course, you, it's, you go there nervous. And, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's an intense uh, feeling. And, and when I left, I was driving home and I was I was just so happy. And I remember thinking to myself, why are you so happy? You know, yeah. um, and, and I, all I have to do is start asking the why question and I yeah. start backing up. Why are you so happy? Well, you just had it. Everything went well with with the uh, the licensing uh, process. Yeah. OK. OK. Well, that's that's good. But why are you so happy? Oh, and I, I get back to the the part where I felt praised and validated. Uh huh. And I say, ah, see, you're happy because you love yourself. <laughs> right, right. Just, there's idolatry in your heart. Or in another illustration is, um, you know, I'm, I'm driving down the road um, and I have little kids uh, who are home. It's just me in the car, but I'm, I'm a relatively new father of twin boys. And someone cuts me off. Yeah. And I'm immediately like angry, uh-huh. intensely angry. Uh-huh. And I'm thinking, Okay, now I have to ask myself. Now I've got the emotion. Now I, I do the work, right? The, the mental work. Right, Why right. am I so angry? Yeah. I mean, this guy, I don't think he was maliciously trying to just cut me off to cut me off or – uh, maybe he was, but why so angry? Mm. And I, I say, well, you know, he, this guy's, this guy's being a jerk. But is that really why you're angry? Yeah. Well, I, I felt, I felt like this was, this was really dangerous. I mean, it must cause an accident. It was really, you know, mm. a rather yeah. dramatic cutoff. Sure. Okay. Then why are you angry about that? Well, because an accident is a, is a huge inconvenience, but it also could threaten my life. Yeah. Okay. Well, why are you angry about that? Well, I guess because I don't believe that if I'm gone, my kids will be well cared for. 
in the absence of the father. Um, and why, you know, back, I get back to the point where it takes you to the, the unbelief, yes, the lack of belief in the gospel that yes, God would be yes. a father to my kids, yes, even in my absence. Yes. Um, and I'm not saying anything, you know, about my wife, she's perfectly capable and a great mother, sure, sure. It's more of just, uh, I would not be fathering these kids if someone, yeah, yeah. wrecks my car, and that, that. That takes you. I mean, that that's the the whole enchilada in some ways, right? Yeah. Um, and 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 so the the spiritual work of understanding those emotions it's a, for me is just backing up and asking why. Okay, why, why? And it'll take you to some deep seated place of unbelief or idolatry or of real um, where you really value life. Um, and yeah, that's. I think it's really helpful to to think uh, about what you're feeling. Yeah, okay, so uh, I think that those examples are terrific and very, very helpful, and it sounds like they were very helpful to you, um, those instances, your emotions, in identifying some idolatry, and you had the opportunity then to repent of idolatry and sin in your heart. That's wonderful. Uh, here's what I want to I challenge you. Well, no, I want to I wanna not challenge you. I don't want to challenge you at this point, but I want to... Um, <laughs> But I want to say that sometimes it's good to be angry. Sometimes it's good right. to be happy. Um, and someone cutting you off and, and the idea of your kids losing a parent, um, that's, that is something. Death is something to be angry about. Death is something to be sad yeah. about. And uh, being happy, you know, uh, moving forward in your career and doing well and, and having someone say, yes, you were on the right track. That's... Uh, that, it's not all idolatry, or it doesn't have to be idolatry, uh, to think to be happy about that. Because what's important is that you are faithful to the gospel. That's super important. And when you have the church leaders say, "Yes, you are being faithful to the gospel," that is something that you should be happy about. Now, the whole point of idolatry is that is the you know the over. Uh, um, uh, desire the over desire for right. something that's good, and so you're saying Epiphania, that there was, an, right. yeah. So you're saying that there was an over desire there, and that's and and that's your emotions are super helpful. But I wouldn't want anyone to think that emotion itself is bad. There is a there's kind of a stoic idea of Christianity out there, and especially the evangelicalism that says if I have emotion, then something is wrong. And, no, 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 no. And I'm not saying that at all. I'm yeah. not saying that at all. I know that I'm you're not, that but it. But in case helpful. someone might, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. In case someone hears that, um, here's what I'm not saying. As uh, Jack Collins used to say, "Don't hear what I'm not saying." Right, 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 um, right. Yeah. So uh, to me, it's very helpful in 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 the thought process because it, they they tell on you. They tell on yourself. Yes. They tell you your real your real values, and that's good and bad. I'm not saying that that everything is uh, girded with idolatry, but but even say. Um, oh gosh, if, if I discover that there's really, um, there's, there's this unbelief in me, oh, oh, if I do that work and I discover that, that I don't think God would be a good father to my kids. Yeah. Um, and, and then that, <laughs> then they have this negative emotion, right? Oh, right, right, right. But, yeah. Uh, talk, talking about any kind of idolatry, any kind of like challenge to their person or to uh, any exposure to their sin, then there's this negative, negative emotion. Ah, let's start the process over again. Yeah. Why yeah. are we having that emotion? Yeah. Right. Because that'll take you right down to to do you believe that God cherishes you 
that yeah, he sent yeah, his son yeah. to die. Do you believe that God has shouts of joy for you? Uh, gosh, I'm not, I don't think I really believe that. Right. Well, right. there's there's the opportunity now to really exercise faith and say this is what the gospel's really about. It's believing that God does have shouts of joy for you in Jesus. Yes. That yes. because of Jesus, you stand absolutely affirmed, holy and blameless, clothed with the glory of Jesus. That's the that's the real spiritual work and right. maturity. Exactly. That yeah. And so the, the negative emotion that it, it, I perceive it as negative. Yeah. But it's really this great opportunity uh-huh. um, to to really understand where I can find great freedom. Yeah. In the gospel. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, but you're right. I you know love is is an emotion. And yes. I have I have love for my kids. I have love for my wife. Um, and at times. It is too much, but most of the time, I hope it's it is natural and normal and wonderful. Yeah, and I think that there are there are times when we ought to be angry. You know, when Jesus was, was at the at the death of Lazarus, it says that yeah. that he um, he was overcome with emotion. And the in the, uh, the the Greek word there is an indic- is uh, mostly used of uh, horses when their nostrils flare. Yeah, he was angry, angry at death. You know, this every the thought of horses' nostrils flaring reminds me why I'm angry every time I see you. <laughs> this, this, this conversation is so helpful. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, yes, there is an injustice uh, that most people recognize when they see me. <laughs> yes. That, that's why we're doing a podcast because we have a face for radio. Uh, we, yeah, both of us do. We're thick and greasy. <laughs> thick and greasy. Yeah, that's right. That's right. No, there are there are definitely emotions that we ought to have. Um, I have definitely been in places where I think, you know what? Uh, here's something that I say is important to me, but it is not moving me at all. And, yeah. You know, it, and, and it should. Why am I not angry right now? And that is an examination as well. Like, what is going on right. inside of my heart that I don't care about this suffering that's right in front of me? Um, right. This racism, this sexism, this, you know, whatever. Um, right. Th- I hear about this going on, and it doesn't break my heart. What's going on? I can go to a worship service where we are crying out to the Lord, uh, you know, a praise to the Lord, the Almighty, the King of glory. And my heart means, says nothing. You know, right. I, I don't. I'm. I, I'm not there. You know, and I, oh, wait, wait a second. What's going on? I need, I, I, I need to uh, be more emotional. You know, I say that I'm praising the Lord, but we need to cultivate our emotions that way. That's a whole different topic, though. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's definitely related. I'm glad you brought it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thoughts cool. and emotions. Yeah. So, Thoughts so and the emotions. language is changing. It's shifting. Yes. Probably this article. Put in a negative way um, that we're we're not doing the thinking or we're afraid to uh, to enter into the world of of the of the mind probably yeah. because of yeah. of the yeah, pendulum swinging that uh, there has been a, a stoicism and a detachment from emotion you know years ago and uh-huh. um, now it's it seems to to have swung so um, again once again we're trying to to bridge the middle and bring people back together. Thoughts have their place, and emotions have their place, and God gave us both, and we need to use them appropriately. Yep, and together. And together, that's right, together. Yeah. Uh-huh. Hey, this is Dave with the Hopper Podcast. 
If you can't find a politician or media outlet that represents your views, you're not alone. You've got a home right here. We've broken free from the cultural and political narratives that dominate the landscape. There are more of us than you might realize. So help us grow the Hopper Podcast. Find your favorite episode and click the share button and put it on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or somewhere else. Thanks. Dave, I ran across a, an article just recently, a story about a crow named Cosmo. Cosmo the Crow. Cosmo the Crow. And this was a friendly crow that uh, became a temporary mascot at the Allendale Elementary School uh, in Oregon. And, okay. And so apparently the crow just showed up at the school out of the blue one morning uh, at this elementary school, and it started going into the classrooms. It was it was pecking on the doors and pecking on the windows, and somebody let it in. And so okay. it got into a fifth-grade classroom, and it helped itself to some snacks. Well, of course. And the bird was not aggressive. All the kids seemed to love the bird. It would, it would land <laughs> on people's heads. Um, and as some crows are able to do, uh, it, it, could, it could talk. And so it would say things like, what's up? And I'm fine. Uh, but the, wow. But, okay. But the thing is, more interesting than that is that along with those phrases, the crow, uh, this crow, Cosmo, used an enormous amount of swear words. <laughs> it was using profanity like crazy and teaching profanity to the little kids. I did not know that crows made any vocalizations. Yeah, some can. Weird? I had no idea. Yeah. Um, I mean, I know other birds, of course, can, but I, d- I didn't know crows would do that. Um, so yeah. This one's clearly been been uh, hanging out and <laughs> picking up some snacks around some folks who like to, to swear like sailors. Yeah, and because he would go into the elementary, and, and of course, a bird that was not aggressive in an elementary uh-huh. school, the kids are just going to flock to it. That's a terrible oh, pun. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, um, they're going to flock to it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but this crow taught all these kids to swear like sailors. Nice. Yeah. And, and so then uh, they called the animal control out to get the crow and uh-huh. the animal control could not find the crow when they, when they arrived, the crow was gone. He's a smart bird. Apparently a pretty smart bird. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's a smart bird. And so they had to come back multiple times to find it. And apparently they did eventually find it and they had and they took it far, far away. But then it came <laughs> back it never came back to the to the uh elementary school, but then there was a report of it at a Planet Fitness who were okay. and, and it and it was just sitting outside the front door of the Planet Fitness as and and uh, swearing at people who were going in and out. Maybe it wanted some protein powder. I don't know. Maybe I don't know. I, I'm guessing that food is has got to be its main, uh, uh, attraction. you know, attraction. Yeah, and yeah. so they're probably it's motivation. You know, motivate. It got it got fed in the elementary school and started swearing at people. And so then at this Planet Fitness, probably there was food somewhere. Although I didn't. The, the it doesn't say this report. Uh, Anyway, there was a few other reports of it around town, but not hanging out so much. But it would it would uh, fly by people and uh, start swearing at them, but then it would just be gone. And so, uh, anyway, that's Cosmo the Crow 
in Oregon. Cosmo the Crow. Maybe is... Cosmo the Crow is a reincarnation of Sam Kennison or something. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Someone who liked to swear a lot and make people laugh and, and eat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Sam Kennison. <laughs> Not good for elementary students, though. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Did they uh, did they tell you what kind of swear words? I mean, was it... You know the article doesn't say. This is like a like a local news uh, uh, article. But they and said I, it was it was graphic. Yeah, apparently it was pretty graphic. Pretty, wow. Yeah, wow. yeah. They said that the, it says that the crow knows at least forty words. <laughs> That's a really smart crow. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't be surprised if there's somebody out there with a bag of peanuts or French fries or something that hangs out with a crow on a patio and. Teaches this bird to say all kinds of wonderful things. Maybe so. Way to go, person. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Apparently that <laughs> happened like last November or so, around Thanksgiving time. Yeah. Yeah. Cosmo, Cosmo the, crow. the Thanks for listening to the Hopper Podcast. Let's keep the conversation going about things that matter and things that don't. Write us at thehopperpodcast at gmail.com or record a short voice memo on your phone and send it to thehopperpodcast at gmail.com. Join us next time where we'll discuss Frankenberry cereal. Oh, it's delicious. I'm sure you know someone who needs to hear that show. Be a pal and share the Hopper goodness. Send them a link. And if they still don't listen, leave a dump in their toilet that Mr. Clean can't handle. Okay. Be sure to subscribe or follow. Special thanks this week. Go to our tax consultant, Lou Pohl. Thank you, Lou.